are kidding me. You are kidding me. No, no way. You cannot do that, Ben Stokes. Carlos Brathwaite! Carlos Brathwaite! Remember the name! Hello and welcome to another episode of the By the Barest of Margins podcast. And we move from international cricket to MS Dhoni in our last episode. And today we move to the first of the T20 leagues that is returning after the COVID-19 pandemic forced a lockdown throughout the world. Um, so we're going to talk about the Caribbean Premier League today. And uh, of course, when we, as, as always, when we talk about Caribbean cricket, uh, we've got Kartikeya Manchala with us as our first guest today. Uh, hello, Kartikeya. How are you doing? I'm doing great and excited for T20 cricket after so long. And what better than the CPL, yeah? Yeah, of course. What better than the CPL? They call it the greatest party on earth. It's not. It's not without reason. Um, uh, we've also got Karthik Raj with us today. Another uh, of our guests that you've heard on this podcast before. Um, so welcome, Karthik, and it's it, it's really nice to have you back on the podcast again. Thank you. Really excited uh, for T20 cricket, like Kati has said. Yep. Um, and so we're not going to waste much time uh, with uh, niceties. We just go straight into the matter. Um, look, it's obviously circumstances have forced the CPL to rethink the way that they they go about the tournament, um, which means that this year there will be no home and away format, and the entire tournament will be held in Trinidad and Tobago in Port of in Port of Spain, um, and uh, it might be uh, something that plays into the hands of certain teams, but doesn't for some others. Um, Kartikeya, what sort of impact do you think uh, it has for uh, some of these teams? For example, the the Guyana Amazon Warriors are such a good side at home. Do you think this makes a massive difference for them? For example, that the whole tournament's being moved to Trinidad. So quite a few things. Firstly. I- I think a big shout out to Peter Miller, who's the CEO of the CPL, and I think he's a gr- he's done a great job pulling everything together despite the pandemic. And I think all the disturbance with overseas player pullouts, I think he was steadfast in making this happen. So a huge shout out to him. And about the whole tournament happening in Trinidad, so two venues are going to be used. One is Port of Spain, Queens Park Oval, and the Brian Lara Stadium. So they're trying to split up the matches, hope that the pitches don't take too much wear and tear, but it's going to happen inevitably. So Trinidad, obviously, their whole team is made up of Trinidad local players. I think we'll get into that later. So they definitely have that home advantage. Other teams like Guyana and Barbados, they win most of the games at home. But I think all the other five teams are in the same situation. So that probably evens the playing field a little. And the last thing is, we don't have a playoff format this year. It's just semi-finals. So, in a knockout game, anyone can win. Like we saw with Guyana losing to Barbados last year in the final. Anything can happen. It's just sudden death. So, I don't necessarily think one team has an advantage over the other. Oh, fair point. Fair point. Um, Karthik, uh, of course, there's been um, a lot of... Um, I'd say upheaval ahead of this tournament with, uh, you know, the the original um, draft picks, some of them not getting visas to go, some of them pulling out for other reasons. Um, so what kind of impact do you think that will have? Because all fran- all these franchises have had to uh, act 
at a very short notice and bring in replacements for their overseas players who have pulled out. So, um, do you think that will have an impact on the quality of cricket that we see overall? And number two, uh, what kind of impact do you see that having on each individual's team's plans itself? I think the overall quality will be pretty good. Uh, but uh, of course, there will be some changes to the team dynamics because when the teams went for the draft, they would have had certain ideas regarding how this squad composition should be. And uh, most teams have lost players. In fact, uh, uh, four teams have lost uh, three or more of, uh, players. It's only Barbados and Guyana who have escaped from this. Uh, Barbados, uh, not, not Barbados, in fact, uh, Trent Bago. So TKR have not lost any player and Guyana have lost only one player, that is Kai Salmon. So there are definitely advantages for these two teams. And, uh, um, and the other teams have had to either go for some inferior players, replacements, or... Uh, they have had to look for local replacements. So I think just small, small changes would be there for the teams. Overall quality should be fine, I think, because there are several quality players still available for the teams. All right. Um, fair enough. I hear you on that. Um, so we, we've talked about we've talked about two of the uh, main overarching things that uh, become factors for each of these six teams that play in the CPL. Uh, so so the way we're going to structure the rest of this podcast is that I'm going to ask my guests uh, about different teams, their strengths, their weaknesses, uh, and uh, what they need to do to win the CPL this year. And uh, I think there's no better place to start than the defending champions, the Barbados Tridents. Um, I mean, they've they've once again uh, they've once again got a squad that is um, very very capable of uh, you know pulling pulling results on big days and. Uh, um, so the first thing that I want to ask you, Karthike, uh, you said you said obviously that as the tournament progresses, tired wickets are going to become a massive factor in the tournament itself. Uh, so considering that and that this side has a spin attack of Hayden Walsh Jr., uh, Mitchell Sadner and Rashid Khan, uh, how is anyone going to beat this side on the tired wickets that, that are inevitable at the end of the tournament? Right, so... My first hot take would be Barbados Tridents were probably not the best team last CPL. I don't think they were the top two teams even. I think they just built a run at the end and all that momentum, they just took it into the finals and peaked at the right time. So, again, I think they have similar issues this year, but their biggest addition, like you said, is Rashid Khan. And I think he's probably the most valuable player in this whole tournament, leave alone the team. Because, like you said, on those tired wickets, he's just going to run right. And Mitchell Santner is probably the, one of the best finger spinners in the world to support him. And Hayden Walsh Jr. was last year's leading wicket taker. So that spin trio is almost unbeatable. Where other teams are going to get respite is probably their batting, which doesn't have the firepower that other teams have if I look around the board. So let me look at the batting lineup here. Johnson Charles, Shy Hope, Justin Graves... Jonathan Carter, Corey Anderson, Jason Holder, Shamar Brooks. Those are their main batsmen, leaving aside bowling all-rounders. So I'm just looking at this and I'm seeing too many anchors in that middle order, top and middle order. So that's probably where teams will want to tie them down. Even if they don't get wickets, they might want to restrict run flow. 
But what Barbados are going to benefit from is the fact that they have an incredibly long batting lineup. So in an ideal world, they could bat all the way down to 10 because Rashid Khan is probably the most explosive player on the team. Raymond Reefer had an excellent season last year. Mitchell Santner can bat. Ashley Nurse can bat. Naeem Young can bat. So I think they just bat so deep that whatever firepower they don't have at the top, they could possibly make up for that later. The last thing I want to cover initially here is their pace bowling, which slightly looks weaker. Now, I know we're going to heavily emphasize on spin, but that doesn't mean paces are not going to come into play because you usually see seamers coming in in the power play and the depth. And I don't see the quality in this team because Jason Holder is not your ideal T20 bowler. Raymond Reefer heavily relies on a slower ball. And Corey Anderson hasn't bowled much in recent times. So I think the trump card is probably Keon Harding. And Keon Harding has zero T20 experience. Given, granted, he's a very good prospect and he has pace. He can be the enforcer. But I don't think he's ready to lead a pace attack yet. So I think those are Barbados' shortcomings this year. But like you said, with Rashid Khan... I think he himself can carry this team to the playoffs easily. Yeah, fair point, fair point. And uh, uh, yeah, Kartikeya mentioned the fact that, you know, they've, they've lost a lot of firepower at the top of the order, which puts, I think, a lot of pressure on someone like a Johnson Charles, who's the only real explosive player, if you may call him that, at the top of the order. Um, Karthik, I'm going to come to you uh, with uh, this question about, you know, the, the, the young Afghan opener, Rahmanullah Gurbaz and Alex Hales, who were both in the original squad um, that the Barbados Tridents picked. Uh, do you think that would have made a massive difference in terms of, you know, the dynamics of how their squad was selected? Maybe maybe Santner might not have played if they had a Hales or a Gurbaz? Yeah, I think uh, Hales, I mean, preferred ahead of uh, Santner. Hales didn't really have a great season last time, but I think uh, he's uh, one of the best T20 openers representing a national team right now. So it made a great difference because, again, if you see the Barbados batting lineup, it's really, I mean, there are too many players of the same kind. I mean, Shah Hope is there, uh, Justin Greaves, Jonathan Carter, all same kind of players. So it could have given them a big hit in the middle uh, to split them up. I think it would have made a big change for them. So now the onus is fully on Johnson Charles, and we have to see whether Shai Herb can really, really discover his 2018 form where he was striking at around 140. So um, some players have to play out of the skin kind of thing. So that Barbados really don't have to depend on their lower order haters to uh, increase the final total. Yeah, so let me jump in there. So, yeah. like we discussed, both of us discussed that they don't have that firepower in the top order. So for me, what I think is the easiest solution is send Rashid Khan up to open and play Jason Holder at four. So all that firepower is distributed to the lineup. What do you think, Karthik? I think it's interesting, but uh, Rashid Khan uh, plays a bit carelessly. You can't say that uh, even 25 runs of 10 balls would be useful, but uh, I've not seen the return so far. So that's a bit iffy for me. 
Yeah, but uh, I mean, you, you've seen that in T20 cricket before where, you know, some teams are just happy to have that, you know, 20-30 runs of 10 balls kind of thing. It ha- it's, it's happened so often with Sunil Narayan now that, uh, I mean, you wouldn't really be uh, losing too much in terms of, you know, firepower at the end with Rashid uh, because I think last year Ashley Nurse did a, did a very decent job doing that same role as well. Uh, so, my perspective is that... Uh, they're not going to lose much uh, with Rashid at the top. Whereas, uh, if they don't split the likes of Hope, uh, Carter, Graves, Brooks, that is a bigger issue than Rashid being careless at the top. Rathika, yeah? Yeah, that's what I was saying. So, I think if they split up that anchor core, then they could distribute that firepower better. And if not, Rashid can't open, that might have been extreme. I definitely think definitely think Jason Holder should bat at four, because like I said earlier, he's not your T20 bowler. I think he sees himself as a bowling all-rounder, but he's not. I think he's a better batsman in T20. In fact, he actually offers some value at four, not as a pinch hitter, but as a proper batsman. Because I look at this team and I see that he's probably one of the most accomplished against spin. And like I said earlier, spin is going to play such a huge role, and you're going to. And a number four is supposed to face mostly spin. So, I think if not Rashid Khan, Holder at four is something they have to consider. All right. Uh, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And uh, Karthika, I'm, just, I'm going to stick with you for my next question about the Barbados Tridents, which, I'm, which is going to be a common question throughout the entire podcast about every team because uh, I'm not sure too many of our listeners are avid followers of the fringe players that the West Indies have in the in the system right now. So uh, you already you already touched upon a couple of guys there in Naeem Young and Keon Harding. Uh, are they the two young West Indian cricketers to look out for at this side this season? So at, one thing we haven't covered so far is the emerging player rule, the CPL. So every team apart from Jamaica have two emerging players, and they have to play a combined total of five matches minimum per team. So, Barbados Tridents' emerging players are Naeem Young and Joshua Bishop. Now, I know I touched upon Keon Harding before. I think he's going to be the biggest star. But if I were to pick from the emerging players, probably Naeem Young. Because we saw him in the Under-19 World Cup, where he batted in the middle order for the West Indies. And his range was very impressive. So, I think if they were to pick an emerging player among the two, that would be him. It probably adds some impetus, much-needed impetus in this lineup, which lacks firepower, like we discussed earlier. And he, again, offers that all-round option. So, I think Naeem Young is the one to watch out for. All right, all right. Uh, and from the from the defending champions, now we move on to uh, what was undoubtedly the best to- the best side in the tournament last year, the Guyana Amazon Warriors. Uh, Karthikeya, straight off, I'm going to put this question to you. How, just how does a team in the CBN manage to put together a middle order of Nicholas Puran, Shimran Hetmeyer and Shafin Rutherford? I'm not sure because the way, how the CPL works is a draft system. And ideally, you'd, you would you just don't expect a team to pick three superstars in the middle order like that because other teams should come in. So I don't think it's Guyana's genius, but other teams screwing up there. But yeah, Shimron Hetmeyer, Nicholas Pura, and Shafain Rutherford, the three most exciting spin hitters in the Caribbean, all in one team. 
it already makes him formidable and that's why they're one of the favorites like they were last year uh one thing i do hold a grudge against them i think puran ratford and hetmyer combined faced almost half the balls brandon king chandrapal hemraj and shob malik faced last year they still made the final but how does that happen right so i think this year they do have a few issues which we'll discuss later and if they're to cover for those then they have to utilize their batting better so i want to see puran up at 4 i want to see hetmyer get more balls i want to see rathford in a floater role rather than a finisher role so i think if they utilize those batsmen better they'll be very strong favorites again yeah and so so my question to you is now about not these three but the guy who is probably going to uh, slot in somewhere in between uh, ross taylor who will play presumably the role that shoaib malik did last year uh, malik finished a lot of those games not out but you you'd not really say those were big impact innings would you no they were not big impact innings i think he ended up with an average of what 60 or something but that was mostly because of not outs what malik did add in that team was the role of a spin hitter because malik is one of the best most accomplished players against spin in the world ross taylor doesn't give me that and his form for new zealand in the last few years on very batting friendly pitches is not great to say the least so if you left it to me i would play ross taylor in this floating role i'd fix pora on at 4 and if early wickets fall i'd have taylor at 5 else i'd have rutherford at 5 and just ask taylor to swing for the hills at the end just give him license but what's going to happen actually is he's going to be used in that anchor role like malik was last year i think that's going by his comments pre season so i don't know how that's going to work if that means Rutherford and Puran are going to face fewer balls then that's going to be a concern in this team i don't know karthik what do you think should taylor play at 4 or do you want to use him down the order as an insurance player i think i just have to echo your thoughts i mean uh, ross is really going to play at 4 shoaib malik played all the matches at 4 so it's going to be a similar role that just gone for a like for like placement uh for, from their point of view but we know that shoaib malik is a much better play against spin and it's going uh, it would have been really useful for them to have here uh, these two trade at tracks but uh, yeah i mean i would like to personally see puran at four uh, permanently i think he has the ability to um, play through an innings too so unfortunately i mean puran at five and then rather four at six i think it is going to be the thing otherwise i think uh, gaina will, will have to just give the license to hemraj i mean he should not be really having a striker i think it's not really amazing uh he was striking at around 121 i think that is not great i think uh, he, he has to go for the hills like you said i mean the entire batting lineup they they have the ability to really go for for, for the shots so hopefully that they do that and puran at 42 yeah um yeah i couldn't agree more with you guys there and i think um, we've spoken so much about the batting but i think their bowling is also in some ways 
going to definitely keep them in games that they uh, because uh, they've got two really good spinners in Imran Tahir and Chris Green as well. Uh, but uh, Karthik, I'm going to come to you about uh, their bowlers, a couple of them. Uh, obviously, there's there's Naveen Hulak from Afghanistan who who I presume will be their their big their big option at the death. Uh, so just just talk to me about Naveen and also uh, this is the first uh, real big test that Chris Green has uh, with the remodeled action once he was called for a suspect action and now he's remodeled it. So uh, do you think we've seen in the past that you know re- remodeled actions after being called has affected a lot of really really good spinners in the world. Sunil Narayan post the the remodeled actions. Still been good, but he's not he's not been the superstar that he was before uh, he was called for it. So uh, I I want to have your thoughts on both Naveen Ulhak and Chris Green. Yeah, to start off Naveen Ulhak is um, uh, based. Uh, picked on basis of the Stinis series. I think um, he's really impressive both uh, in the power play and also the depth. Um, uh, I assume he'll bowl two overs in the power play and two overs in depth. Uh, I hope he really mixes it up because uh, there is a chance that he could just go for the slow deliveries, but he's much more than that. Uh, he can really bowl some nice yorkers. So um, there's good ability in him. So um, yeah, it will be interesting to see whether Aminulak starts well. If he doesn't start well, Gaina might quickly go to someone like Ashmead Ned who's a left-arm spinner so, uh, or even Odin Smith uh, who can give them ex- some extra uh, pace so um, he has to start well that's the point and then Chris Green I think uh, I don't make much of a difference I think he's not really a mystery bowler a guy now would be really happy if he just uh, maintains his uh, usual economy rate of 6.5 to 6.8 and picks up one wicket and um, because they have plenty of wicket takers and uh, guys like uh, Imran Tahir and you know, even Kimo Paul can be very useful at the death so He's not going to be really uh, a major concern for them if he just uh, maintains his usual economy rate. All right, all right. Uh, uh, fair points, fair points there. Uh, Karthike, I'm going to come to you uh, with a question about Kimo Paul. Uh, I mean, I have my opinion on him, which is that I think he's, uh, especially in T20 cricket, a lot better used as someone who can come down the order and uh, smash a lot of runs rather than someone who is a depth bowler. Uh, I think he does get a, he, he does get wickets, but I classify a lot of his wickets as trash wickets, which are when batsmen swinging for the hills. But uh, what do you think about Kimo Paul and what is his role in this Guyana side? So, like you said, Kimo Paul started off his career as a batting all-rounder. So when he played under-19 in youth cricket, he was a batting all-rounder. And I think what the West Indies saw was that he could bowl a couple of yorkers. At times, he had a good slow ball variation. And they pigeonhole, pigeonhole, him as a, pigeonhole him as a bit of a death bowler because they didn't have any at that point. So, Guyana probably going to use Kima Paul as a death bowler again. But they have more cushion this year, don't they? They have Naveen Ulhaq. Karthik said he can bowl very good Yorkers. And they do have Romario Shepard. So, if Paul is just going to play... A middle overs role, just bowl a couple of slower balls here and there, and they sneak in some overs from Chandrapal Hemraj at the top of the innings. Then maybe they can cover for his, I don't know, weakness, you could say. 
and like you said he picks up a lot of junk wickets so that's probably going to encourage him to keep him in the death bowling role but it's probably not his strength at the moment but that being said ashmi ned who's the left arm spinner on this team and the emerging player will have to play five games at the minimum so in that case who misses out because imran tahir is the leader of this bowling attack he can't be dropped chris green is the captain so he's not going to be dropped either so then you're left with paul shepherd and navin huck and the way i see this paul and navin are nearest neighbors they're quite similar in terms of bowling style or at least the way navin has come across so far bowling a lot of slower balls and romario shepherd is a bit of your x factor so he can enforce in the middle overs he can generate a bit of extra pace so if you're bringing in ashmi ned you take off shepherd who probably offers the least value of the three but offers something different or you drop one of paul or navin so that's a bit of a dilemma that the warriors have and i think odin smith is again a very good option so he's going to be benched for most of the most of the time i think the bench strength of this team has is quite ridiculous looking at it yeah and uh, of course last year they they went on that magnificent winning run uh, and and then finally uh, couldn't quite get over the line on the big day uh, but but yeah i mean i agree with both of you on everything that you've said and even with the the slight weaknesses that they have i think it's fair to say that um they start the tournament as one of the clear favorites and uh, yeah so we'll move on to our next team which is the host the trinbago night riders uh, who as kartikeya alluded to just briefly at the beginning of the podcast uh, they are they are pretty much made up of entirely local players from trinidad uh, which 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 plays a massive role i think and also the fact that it's not just local players right it's it's proper um bona fide t20 superstars like sunil narayan like dwayne bravo like kyron pollard uh i mean some of them might be might be on the wane with their powers but we will we'll get into that um so the first question that i have uh, for for karthik uh, straight away is there's so much experience in the side you know so many of these guys have played so much t20 cricket all around the world and i think we've seen especially over the last couple of years in t20 cricket that there is really no substitute for experience so um talk to me about you know this, this side which which is sprinkled with stardust everywhere sunil narayan lendl simmons the bravo brothers kyron pollard so talk to me about this side kartikeya so we just spoke about guyana and trinidad in many ways are similar to guyana in that they start as favorites but the biggest thing that differentiates these two teams is experience why did guyana lose the final last year and the year before because the moment they saw and they realized it was a final they crumbled this trinbago side look at that kyron pollard has won what probably 10 tournaments around the world bravo's probably won 10 nine's probably won six so among them they probably have 25 t20 titles and they have 1300 t20 games that's ridiculous so they're going to make the semi finals for sure and if they do they have the biggest knockout experience so i genuinely don't see how any other team is going to match that right and add to that that local experience that they add lendl simmons sunil narayan darren bravo dwayne bravo karen pollard all of these guys know the local conditions better than anyone else so it's 
honestly ridiculous that they could assemble that team and just look at that i think polar he's a captain this year as he was last year twain bravo adds that extra mentorship for the other seamers in the team narayan is lead spinner and then you have landel simmons to guide the innings at the top i think they're going to be very hard to beat if they make the playoffs this year yeah uh, kartik i'm going to come to you with a question about uh, kari pierre who is uh, who sometimes i think uh, goes slightly under the radar with what he does uh, for this trend bago side uh, uh, we saw him in international cricket last year when he came to india and played the t20 series and um, he did well in patches uh, got taken apart by virat kohli in one of those games as well uh, but as the lead spinner in this side alongside fawad ahmed uh, he he's going to have he's going to have a massive role to play despite all the experience around him you know there's obviously narayan but uh, you'd assume that kari pierre would probably bowl in the power play as well so uh, what kind of role would you see him playing do you agree that he's probably going to be a more power play spinner and then uh, the likes of narayan and fawad take over after that yeah that is going to be his major use and uh, he does a pretty good job at that last year Uh, he picked up 10 wickets at an economy of 7.15 so it's a pretty similar role to what someone like washington sundar or chris green play uh, so I, and he gives a uh, little bit of extra dimension to their attacks because they have uh, all kinds of bowlers in fact um, uh, jen seals brings uh, extra pace for them fawar ahmed spins it both ways uh, sunil and uh, will still do uh, a good job for you in spite of this remodel action now and then you have Dwayne uh, Bravo at the death so uh, Pierre will bowl definitely bowl because it's one of the front line options for them and uh, he'll just go un- unnoticed but uh, I think that is the nature of the uh, role uh, and it does a pretty good job at that all right uh, so Karthik mentioned Jaden Seals there for just a brief moment and I want to go to Karthik here with this um, It'd be an understatement to say that I was excited when I saw him uh, for the first time. Uh, real pace, and there was there was something there was something of an X factor about him. And with the emerging player rule that you mentioned, I think there is a good chance that he plays quite a number of games in the season, isn't there? Right. So the emerging players this year: Jaden Seals and Amir Changu. So Seals is definitely going to play five games, and it's interesting because. When I saw Jaden Seals in the under-19 World Cup, I was excited, yes. But the first guy was Aljari Joseph. And I think the biggest mistake West Indies made was fast-tracking. Because he should have developed more. And Aljari Joseph got exposed in his first CPL. So, I think Jaden Seals is going to have a bit of a struggle coming in initially. But as I said earlier, you have Dwayne Bravo, Kyron Pollard, all these guys to mentor you. So, Seals probably can ease into that role. and this is where i'm going to make a case for tkr to do something different this year i don't want seals to be put in the big pressure role of that top tail bowler because the way i see it they might bring him in for ali khan who played that top tail role uh, last year and bring him in as a like to like replacement what i want to, what, what i want to see them do is play both ali khan and seals fawad ahmed kari pierre sunil narain and Dwayne Bravo. So, I say pick six bowlers because Bravo gives you batting, Narayan gives you batting at the top. 
and in that case i'd leave out sikandar raza now i know karthik might have some issues with me saying that because he no, believes I, raza I, I finally got to mention him <laughs> anyway so i think there's a in this, at least in the game seals plays i might be tempted to leave out raza and allow seals to just ease into that role as sixth bowler rather than a fifth bowler because the bowling lineup is the pace bowling attack is already kind of weak i see dwayne bravo's returns have slightly fallen off the last few years even for chennai and ali khan's last season was not great either so i think there's a case for them to play three spinners and three same attack but i don't know kashik do you have anything to say about that Yeah, first time I had a look at the squad, I had the same feeling that they, they could drop Sikandar Rasa because he's not really going to be useful at number 7 or 8. He's not that kind of a player and uh, his bowling is also not suited to T20 cricket. So, I don't think he, he adds much value to the TKR side and uh, definitely Adi Khan can come. You know what he's going to provide really. I mean, uh, at the death, he can get some movement uh, and he, as the tournament goes on, he'll just get some tail... at the back end so uh, if he can regain his form i mean it was cpl who really made him uh, known to the world so uh, i can can come into the lineup and bowl along with jaden fields that will take a lot of pressure off him as you said and it gives us just that extra bit of depth and uh, again uh, like i said before losing sikran as a won't really damage their depth because vivian rawat number 7 is still really good i mean he is still going to do the job for you and he cannot uh, going to lose uh, much with either their batting or bowling right and i think raza's best chance in this lineup is to replace darren bravo at 5 because bravo he played his last significant cpl innings in 2018 when he hit that ridiculous 94 of yeah. 36 balls against zooks after that He's averaged under 20 at a strike rate of under 110. So if Bravo fails the first couple of matches, I think there's a case of bringing in Raza at five or four because, like Karthik said, he's a, more of a middle-order option than lower-order option. So that might be Raza's best chance in. Yeah, uh, and my last question here on TKR is going to be about the the top order. Uh, so Colin Munro in the last year, especially in international cricket, didn't really set the world on fire. Uh, and they, they've obviously got in Tim Seifert who had a really good T20 series against India, but that was in New Zealand, and conditions are not going to be the same. Um, so Karthikeya, uh, just just briefly, who opens with Narayan? Munro, Seifert, let maybe Lendl Simmons. No, Lendl Simmons definitely opens with Narayan because he did that last year. Okay. Munro was a different option in CPL because CPL Munro is different from New Zealand Munro. New Zealand Munro is a stop order basher who's going to swing at every ball. But if I look at his strike rate in internationals, it's around 157. And in all of the T20s except CPL, it's around like 148. Whereas in the CPL, his strike rate is 137. and his average is significantly high which 40 so i think he's more of a responsible batsman in cpl not necessarily an anchor but he he's more multidimensional at least he's adapted to the conditions so well in cpl which is strange for a player coming in from new zealand but so has glen phillips right from new zealand for jamaica talavas so 
I think Monroe offers this totally different option. Cipher 12, he struggled in spinning conditions because I think when New Zealand touched Sri Lanka, he did actually struggle. But like I said, the way these New Zealand players come into the CPL and just become superstars, I wouldn't be surprised if Cipher does something different at, in that floating role. I don't think he actually adds batting value on face value, but he just provides a lot of flexibility in that lineup. He can bat anywhere from one to six, so that allows Bravo, Pollard, and all these guys to float. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that that I think that's 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 all we have uh, on the on the Knight Riders, and uh, I think we've done a pretty comprehensive job of covering them. Um, next up, I'm going to go to the St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots and just just put Fabian Allen's name out there and give the mic to Karthik here. Take it away. How does someone miss a chartered plane? I genuinely don't understand. I think even Peter Russell, who had an interview with the cricketer recently, he said he might expect a couple of players to mess up with their schedules, but he didn't expect that to be a local player. I genuinely don't know how Fabian Allen's missed a plane to come to Trinidad when that was the only plane that was going to fly from Jamaica to Trinidad. I genuinely don't know. But it's genuinely such a huge loss for him because he has such a huge IPL coming up. He has an international season coming up and this was his chance to elevate himself from a rising to rising star to a proper superstar so it's going to be a huge loss for him to put his put himself on the big stage and also for patriots because that lineup looks horrible now sorry to say uh yeah uh, i mean obviously they have the likes of evan lewis chris lynn uh, ben dunk who had a great great PSL last season, uh, especially against spin, which is going to be important. But um, there is a sense that Sheldon Cottrell might have to do a bit too much on his own to carry that bowling attack. Karthik? Yeah, I mean, the rest of the attacks isn't really promising. I mean, so Ishori is pretty good. He'll do like, well, I think. Um, did well against India earlier this year. Uh, his style of bowling, this quick leg pin should be really useful for Sankit and Patriots, but they don't have much uh, else. I mean, they have Dominic Drakeson on the bench uh, as a emerging player and Sahel Tanvi, but uh, are they really going to improve this bowling attack? I doubt it because Sheldon Cotter has to do much of the damage, both in the power play and also the death. And Azar Joseph, again, yes, he has promised, but I don't think his bowling really suits T20 cricket. He uh, has much more to do to become a T20 bowler. And yeah, I mean, Imran Khan, leg spin bowler, okay, uh, with what I've seen, but isn't really going to be a wicket-taking option for them either. And that's where they're going to struggle. I mean, spin bowling, they don't have depth like other sides too. Uh, and if the bowling is not going to be good, then the batting has to be powerful. But they don't have that too. I mean, Dinesh Ramdin has to bat at three. They don't have much other option. And then Nick Kelly, who's a top order batsman, comes at probably five. Jamar Hamilton and six. So they got a lot of issues. I mean, I don't see how they're going to finish above six in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I think Riot Emirate also causes a bit of a problem in this in this uh, Patriot side, uh, Tartikeya, because. They've obviously named him as captain, uh, so he has to play every game. But um, 
on face value does he earn his place in the side in with either one of the specialist departments the simple answer there is no because they have better seamers right they have shelling cottrell alzari joseph i know kartik said alzari is not the finished product yet but he offers that middle overs enforcer option and you have sohil tanveer who has actually added added a lot of value to previous cpl teams he's played for guyana sentosha i think he's played for guyana and sentosha before and he's added, actually added a lot of value so how does rai ramrit start in that team then i genuinely don't know because sitting on the draft table five other teams have loaded their teams with spinners and even when players have pulled out they've actually gone to spin bowling options and this patriots team goes in with ishsodi and then the next best spinners imran khan and then john ras jagesar who between them have played i think 30 t20s so this is not going to be a genius move if they think there is because i have no doubt that the pitches are going to take wear and tear later in the tournament and if they want to play one specialist spinner in sodi and play four seamers that's not going to help and if they have to bring in imran khan or john ras jagesar they'll have to replace them with they'll have to bring them in for emrit not for emrit sorry tanveer because emrit's a captain although he's a worse bowler so if that's going to happen they're going to be very unbalanced because tanveer also adds some explosive batting towards the end and they really need that because their whole team is filled with anchors tenesh ramdin ben dunk josh de silva jama hamilton nick kelly all these guys are seen as anchors after lewis and lynn so i don't know what they're going to do genuinely i think lewis and lynn right at the top they're going to have to go swing for the hills because they know no one below them is going to provide impetus but if that's going to happen then there's a greater chance of them getting out well they are by far the best players best batsmen in this team so genuinely like kartik said i don't see them coming 50 when in the stand all right uh, so just, just just go through the emerging players this side and whether uh, you can see anything anything of note from them so personally i see some promise in dominic drakes because he offers that left arm option but i think his economy rate in the cpl has been over 10 and if that's the case he shouldn't start because again in such a in a lineup where he doesn't have much support around him that's just setting him up to fail so the biggest star i see here is josh de silva he hasn't played t20 before but he's seen as the next big all format option in west indies cricket i might have touched upon him in one of our test cricket podcast earlier and i think the cpl is going to provide him a good chance to showcase his skills he's a very busy player he can hit over the top he's not a big power hitter but he's going to play that enterprising role in the top or middle order so if there's any bright spot in this team then watch for josh de silva all right uh, thank you for that uh, i think we're pretty unanimous with both of my panelists that the sankits and nevis patriots are going to need a miracle uh, to not just qualify but to even finish off the bottom of the table um from from the patriots we'll move on to uh, the jamaica talawas and uh, 
Karthikeya, when when you were briefing me before uh, we started this on the WhatsApp group, you said that this is uh, one of the greatest six-saving teams ever assembled. And I mean, <laughs> I have the squad in front of me, and it's it's pretty easy to see why you said that. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's this, obviously there's Dre Ross, there's Rockman Powell, uh, Carlos Brathwaite, if I if I if I can add in there, Asif Ali is not not half bad in this format. So um, just introduce introduce our listeners to the Jamaica Talawas. So I think everyone should know this. So my team is Guyana. I support Guyana to, to the CPL. But I'm really looking forward to Jamaica this year because. Either this team is going to blast everyone and end up with the third title, or they're just going to collapse massively. But whatever's going to happen is going to be spectacular. Because, like you said, look at the team. Andre Russell hits a six every five balls in T20 cricket. That's one every over. You have Rovman Powell, who I think is, has flown under the radar in the last few years. But he's a, a big six hitter, and he can take down pace bowling big time. And if you look at his strike rate in the regional Super 50 earlier this year, it was, what, 160, whereas everyone else was batting at around 70 because those pitches were taking so much turns. So, Ravman Powell, high on confidence coming into this season, captain of the team, he's going to be freed up to go big. Asif Ali is your nearest neighbor to Andre Russell. So, if a team cannot afford Andre Russell... The nearest neighbor is Asif Ali. He's your low-budget Russell, so to speak. Because Asif Ali, Asif Ali's six-hitting frequency is only bettered by Russell. He hits a six every seven or eight balls in T20 cricket. So he offers that finishing firepower. And Carlos Brathwaite, if Carlos Brathwaite doesn't face spin, he's going to be very useful because he's one of the best pace-hitting batsmen in the world. So... If I send Asif Ali and Carlos Brathwaite down, I can see Andre Russell coming in at four and Rogman Powell at five. Now, Andre Russell has refused to bat in the top order previously for Jamaica. But as we saw with KKR last year, he wanted to bat higher up. So I think he's finally going to get his wish. And I think we're set for some fireworks there. Don't forget Chadwick Walton at the top. He loves to hit sixes. If they play Ramal Lewis, he he's another very explosive batsman. So, I think this is just some kind of a madcap science experiment, and we don't know how it's going to go. But whatever happens, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I mean, you said Chadwick Walton at the top. There is Glenn Phillips at the top as well. So there, 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 there's so much potential for just explosive fun with this Jamaica Talawa side. Um, Karthik, I'm going to come to you with uh, another aspect of this uh, Talawa side, which is their bowling, and. I mean, one aspect that the Patriots didn't have was was spin, but these guys seem to have that covered with uh, three very decent options in Mujib, Sandeep Lamichani, and uh, Virasami Pamal as well. That's a, pre- a pretty good attack. I mean, uh, they got it covered. I mean, Mujib will operate in the power play. He always does a good job. Uh, has been good for Afghanistan too. So he'll guarantee you at least two wickets per game. I mean, how did this start? And Sanjeev Lamichani, um, is a bit uh, touch and go. I mean, 50-50. Like uh, on his day, he can pick up three or four wickets. On, on, on another day, he can be very expensive. But uh, exciting prospect again. Like we have seen uh, through his time and um, 
they got the pieces to cover the uh, spinners too like oshin thomas will he'll uh, hit the hard lengths and double the batsmen um the only concern for them might be the death bowling but um the entire league uh, i don't see many death bowlers either so um they spinners have to uh, do the major job there are wicket takers for jamaica so let's see how they go yeah and uh, i'm going to hand it over to uh, kartikeya now to take us through the emerging player so there's only one emerging player who's nicholas curtin and long time canadian fans will have nightmares of him playing in the last group match add me to <laughs> right so i think canadian fans have nightmares of that nicholas curtin innings against i think uae in the qualifiers but he's from barbados and he, i think the biggest value he adds in this team is the fact that he's the only left-hander apart from oshin thomas so <laughs> i think this team is filled with right-handers and nicholas curtin can play at 3 and just offer that left-hand right-hand combination for once in that team i think what they're going to tell glen phillips and nicholas curtin in this team is just try holding up one end and let everyone else go berserk at the other end because otherwise it might collapse for 100 or 120 runs so i think curtin and phillips hold hold up one end and the rest go berserk and i think the actually emerging player in this team is ramal lovis i don't know how many games he's going to play because it's a straight shootout between him and fidel edwards who's 38 but ramal lovis last year i saw him play one game against trinbago and he took down two contrasting bowlers sunil narayan one of the best spinners in the world and the pace of mohammad hasnain who was bowling 150 kgs so i see a lot of batting potential in ramal lovis down the order offers a third spin option if needed so if i were to say uh, if i were to pick one player to watch out for that be him all right uh, so yeah i think uh, we've, we've covered the talawas as well and uh, really looking forward to seeing how this uh, this mad cap experiment with filling their side with with guys who can hit sixes for fun really excited to see how that works uh but we we we're, we're moving on to now to the St. Lucia Zooks who traditionally uh at least over the recent seasons have not really set the set the CPL stage on fire uh and i think Karthikeya the first thing is like Ryan Emrit with the Patriots um Darren Sammy doesn't really win his place in the side as a bat an auto bowler does he uh probably not but then yeah i think unlike the patriots sammy actually makes the first 11 in this team for whatever reason <laughs> so <Yeah>, okay <laughs> I, i don't know so you have a six team tournament and you would think that the quality would be evenly distributed between teams using a draft but somehow the zooks have made the playoffs only once even the patriots have made the playoffs twice when they had gale in their team and even last year they made the playoffs thrice i think overall but the zook somehow have made the playoffs only once so i don't know how they can end up doing that but genuinely i think this year they might be the dark horses i think this might be sammy's last season at zook so he'll want a big farewell before going going out but i genuinely i, well, I look at the team overall as you kim conwall andre fletcher at the top Mohammad Nabi is going to be very useful in this team because we discussed earlier spin is going to play a huge role he offers those versatile off breaks 
throughout the innings. He's a good spin power hitter. I think Najib Lazadra and Karthik will go into him in depth, but he offers a versatile option at the top. Zahir Khan is the only Chinaman bowler in this team. Teams might not have seen how he's going to go about his work, so he offers a bit of X factor. So among the two teams uh, who are going to underperform this year, St. Kitts and St. Lucia, I think St. Lucia have a slightly larger chance of causing an upset, so to speak. All right. Uh, yeah, Karthik here touched upon the fact that Karthik will go into detail about this team because obviously there are three Afghan players. And those who follow Karthik on Twitter uh, might know of his ambivalence towards Mohammad Nabi. Uh, so, Karthik, take it away. Talk to me about El Presidente and then also about Najibullah Zadran and Zahir Pakhtin who, who, might, who might have a big role to play in this Zouk side this year. I've always been certain about this that uh, Nabi doesn't play well for Afghanistan, but he's a champion in franchise T20 league. See, uh, I mean, wherever he goes, he has been successful. He'll uh, give him the number five spot, ask him to take down the spinners, he'll do that. And then he'll bowl a couple of fours in the power play, he'll definitely take wickets. Uh, he has plenty of variations, although he's not a mystery bowler as such, but he has plenty of variations with his pace. Uh, he kind of drifts the ball into the left-handers, so has a lot of variations, and uh, he will be the match winner for St. Lucia Azuz, I think. And uh, I'll go to Najib Lazadran, pretty useful batsman. Uh, if at all uh, uh, there is there are slow ball paces, paces who re- just rely on slow balls, stay away from Najib Lazadran because he uh, really goes hard at them. Uh, very good against spin too, so. Uh, very useful option in the middle order. Um, but I think St. Lucia will miss their uh, two uh, OC signings. Uh, that is Colin Ingram and Riley Russo. They are added a lot of value to this batting lineup. Um, especially because they they are batted at number three and number four. And that seems to be a problem for them in this lineup with Lenico Boucher and Mark Dell possibly playing at that position. So um, that is a bit off for them. Uh, and then Zahid Khan, when it comes to Zahid Khan, uh, he came as a replacement for Noor Ahmed. Um, I personally rate Noor Ahmed ahead of uh, Zahid Khan because Zahid Khan is kind of inconsistent with his line and length. You don't know what he's going to deliver. Uh, he's definitely has the variation. If he lands the ball perfectly, then he's going to cause a lot of trouble. But if he's a bit off, then St. Lucia could be uh, really in trouble because he has a... Uh, ability to really concede like 55 or 60 runs in, in four overs and that is the problem with him and they can't afford uh, that kind of economy rate when guys like Scott Kugelin is there and uh, Obed McCoy has uh, talent and he could have a breakthrough season this time but Sahir um, Khan is kind of a gamble in the squad I will say Alright uh... Well, Karthike, I'm going to come to you uh, with a question about the fast bowlers. Uh, so, Karthik just mentioned Obed McCoy. Uh, they also have Keswick Williams, who is pretty much slow balls, uh, uh, an assortment of slow balls at the end. Uh, they've got Shama Holder as well. Uh, but their overseas fast bowler, they've, they've got Scott Kugelain, who really 
I, I really don't know yet what Scott Guggenheim's role in a in an ideal T20 side would be. Uh, so I think at this point, if I were the St. Lucia Zooks, I'd play the three West Indies Pacers ahead of Guggenheim. Would you do the same? Yeah, so I think the bowling is definitely the issue because although their batting has lost Riley Rousseau and Colin Ingram, they can put together something. You have Cornwall, who's a beast at the top of the order. You have Andre Fletcher, who's so experienced. And then if you can push up one of Nabi and Najib, you can just spread out their experience. And then you can play Lenny Kobacher, who's also a very young and talented player. And then Mark Dayal, who offers some explosive... Uh, Mark Dayal and Cameron Hodge, who actually can play as floaters in that team. So I think the batting, they can just put together some makeshift lineup and be happy with that. But the bowling doesn't have a leader because Sahir Khan, like Karthik said, is very inconsistent. So he's not going to lead this bat- bowling lineup. Obed McCoy, he's just coming through the ranks. He's been affected by injuries a lot. So although he offers that variety, he's still not very confident with his bowling action. Keswick Williams is interesting because he started off the CPL as a superstar and he was the first choice West Indies uh, player. And now I think his economy has really gone on the higher side because he's been found out with his slower balls. Uh, Kugelain, I don't know what to say, honestly, because, okay, let's say he adds value as a pace power hitter down the order, but he offers zero value with the ball. And if you're going to bring in such a mediocre with his off-field record, I genuinely don't know what to say. And I don't know how many teams keep picking him. If you're going to make the, make a point about team culture or whatever, I don't know why Kugelain actually gets T20 contracts anymore. But yeah, even if I'm being unbiased, I'd pick Shama Holder because Shama Holder's the next big thing in West Indies cricket. I strongly believe that. He has a very easy bowling lineup like Jofra Archer. He can generate good pace. He can bowl in different stages of the innings. So if you would ask me, I'd start with Shamar, Keswick Williams, Obed McCoy. I'd play one of Kevin Hodge and Mark Dayal. And I'd do with Mohamed Nabi and Rakeem Cornwall. So they, have, they actually have a lot of bowling options, although it's not quality. And I think Saad bin Zafar might get a game at some point. He's a pretty promising player from Canada. So I think... This is the tagline of St. Louis Zooks. They don't have quality, but in both batting and bowling, they have quantity. So if they can somehow put together makeshift batting and bowling lineups, that's where I think they could make an upset. Um, yeah, I think it's a fair assumption there that uh, you know the, the, the Zooks could be with the Patriots in hoping for an upset here and there, but not really kicking on from there. Uh, we're going to end this episode of the podcast by um, by asking both both my guests for predictions. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I think we're pretty clear now that both of you think that the same four teams are going to finish in the top four. So what I'm going to ask each of you is your top two and who wins the tournament. So I'll start with Karthik. Uh, who finishes top two? Who wins the CPL? Mm, I'm going for Trinidad and Jamaica. Um, Trinidad to win the tournament. 
CPL. Uh, as the tournament begins on the 18th uh, also do stay tuned to the by, by the barrister margins podcast we will have reviews of the england pakistan test match but might not have one for the second test because there's hardly been a second test uh, but but yeah do stay tuned do do listen to us do subscribe on spotify on google podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on uh, do spread the word find us on twitter at barrister_margins and until next time uh, we hope you have a good week thank you thanks for listening by the barest of margins by the barest of all margins you are kidding me you are kidding me no no way you cannot do that ben stokes carlos brathwaite carlos brathwaite remember the name <laughs>